Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiotum Shaw. And we are coming to you with a special episode this mm-hmm. time. We are finishing out our summer <laughs> of Wired with the rewired retrospective rewinding through the Wiredverse. <laughs> Excellent. So if you are just joining us for the first time, we are going to be talking about a bunch of episodes as opposed to one dedicated episode. Yes. Uh, and so we will talk about that more in a second. But first, I see a big blinking red light on our answering machine. Oh, we should get that then. As a tradition, the size, the physical size of the light grows with the additional message. <laughs> it's a dreamlike quality to this technology. Yes, <laughs> yes. First off, I don't recall if we've mentioned this recently in a mainline episode, but uh, a big thank you to Mitch Hampton for having us on the Journey of the Nest podcast. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, we talked about it on the Plus Expenses. I don't remember if we mentioned it on the um, main episode at that time. But uh, you you hear him in our gumshoe thank you read as uh, mm-hmm. the Journey of Vanessa the podcast does help sponsor 200 a day. But Mitch invited us on to talk about the Rockford Files. So mm-hmm. you can find the Journey of Vanessa the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. I'm unsure if there's a specific episode number, because uh, he does his show in seasons, but mm-hmm. it is the 200 a day plus expenses Rockfish show with Epi <laughs> and Nathan is the title. Uh, and it came out in on July 13th, 2023. Should be easy to find. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a fun talk. Uh, yeah. We talk about the Rockford Files. We talk about um, some kind of background stuff about how we do the show and how the show came about. Uh, and we kind of dive into some of the stuff like the moral qualities of Jim Rockford. <laughs> yes. He's very easy to talk to Jim and also Mitch. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. It is a worthwhile show to check out. Uh, if you're interested in art and aesthetics and music in particular, I think. Yeah. Creative processes. Yeah. We also received a recent five-star review uh, on the old Apple podcasts. It's one of my favorite quantity of stars. <laughs> so thank you to uh, listener Mark who leaves a review. Essential listening for the Rockford Files fan. Well produced. Hosts know their stuff and are clearly good friends. Some additional <laughs> insights too push it into the way beyond the average podcast. An excellent listen. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, I'm chuffed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Couldn't put it better myself. An excellent listen. But yeah, we always appreciate the occasional five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or whatever mm-hmm. your platform of choice is. Uh, the ones that I see are the ones from Apple. I don't know. Yeah. The other ones are also appreciated. I just don't think I see them. <laughs> All right. We received a, a very fun email um, about an old episode that I wanted oh. to share. From This is uh, talking about our episode 24 when we did White on White and Nearly Perfect. Right. Which is the, the uh, Lance, Lance White. White. Uh, I think it's the first one. So, yes, this is the first appearance of Lance White, played by Tom Selleck, um, mm-hmm. in a very memorable episode. Anyway, we received an email from Julianne Wells, mm-hmm. uh, who played Belle LaBelle, the dancer, in that episode, <laughs> who tells Lance White where to find the missing girl that they're looking for. Belle LaBelle? My name's Barbara Gortner. Uh, LaBelle is a stage name. I'm thinking of changing it. White. Lance White? 
This is Rockford, Jim Rockford. I assume you're here with some information regarding Blackwood, Joey Blackwood. I know you're looking for him. You see, Mr. White, Lance, I love Joey, but he dumped me for Veronica Teasdale. I think I may know where he's taken her. He has a cabin at Lake Malibu, 1365 East Shore Drive. I see. Wait a minute. Hmm? I'm just a little skeptical of all this. I mean, people don't just walk in and volunteer information on cue. It's always very exciting to hear from people involved with the show in any yeah. capacity. So we just wanted to say thank you to Julianne for, for listening and reaching out. Uh, and she shared a couple thoughts with us. The actor, Frank Christie, who plays the goon, was killed in his driveway after this acting job because Frank was a thug in real life. <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't laugh. That's not funny. No, but, no, no. Uh, you know, we always talk about memorable goons. And mm-hmm. um, I guess sometimes you get you get a real one. But you found something kind of uh, humorous. Let me see if I can uh, find this one again. So while you're double checking that, um, uh, she continues, liked your take on the episode. Tom Selleck and James Garner were the nicest gentlemen to work with. Had lunch with Garner during another Rockford. Uh, a truly... Truly golden man, um, a, a great man to work with is what uh, what I'm hearing here. And I think, you know, we uh, replied also, I don't know if Julian will hear this, um, but <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Belle LaBelle, I think, is one of those memorable side characters that we, yeah. uh, like, this was our episode 24. We did it a really long time ago. I remember yeah. Belle LaBelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whole episode is kind of a bit of a send up of PI tropes, right? It's a send up right. within a send up almost. And so the Belle LaBelle is like this very fun um, send up of this kind of character that is this like person who's, who's just going to turn and tell tell the detective everything they know um, yeah. at the slightest uh, 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 encouragement. But um, I think one theme that we hear over and over anytime we read an interview or hear from anyone involved with the show is that James Garner was just a great guy to work with. Yeah. One of the great ones. Um, and it is nice to have that reinforced over and over because. Uh, yeah, especially in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's uh, it's nice. It's nice that there are some good ones out there. So Frank Christie, um, he did a few other things beyond this episode before he was he was murdered but uh his imdb photo is actually a photo of his obituary yeah (laughs) and so that's a little i mean like that might even be unique on imdb i'm not entirely sure uh but apparently according to imdb which is citing america's most wanted Mm. uh his killers were uh hired by a a former lover's husband Mm. A very sordid tale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, a Rockford Files episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, uh, you know, could have been. Um, so, but yeah. Uh, Hell of a time. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, James Gardner is great. That's yeah. what we hear. That's what we <laughs> continually hear over and over again. All right. Getting to some uh, listener feedback. Uh, we had an email from listener Eli uh, referring to episode 119. Just a fun observation. Um, a deadly maze. And I feel like I've noticed this sometimes too, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if I, it's always included in, in, in the edit, Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, Eli says there are a couple of times in deadly maze where Jim holds up a piece of paper with an address. There's no way that's Jim Rockford or Garner's handwriting. (laughs) It's not quite calligraphy, but it looks like a wedding invitation. Jim is a (laughs) chicken scratch guy for sure. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. You know, 
sometimes you have uh, these things done for production reasons so that, mm-hmm. you know, here's the prop that he needs to hold up so that we can read it um, quickly on the screen. That would be a fun character quirk to have uh, just uh, like immaculate handwriting. Mm-hmm. Take the time to write your notes. Out. Like I, right. There was a gag. I don't remember what episode, but there was <laughs> where Dennis was trying to take notes. Oh, yeah. The um, the one I was just thinking about this one. The uh, uh, the very fun one where Jim is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Irving the explainer is the one that that we're that we're trying to to remember here. But yes, it's where there's the uh, they're they're trying to track down these these pieces of art that this director who might have been a Nazi yes might have stolen. There are all these details, and uh, Dennis is taking notes and keeps asking for clarification with the name on that. Yeah. Anyways, it would have been fun to just you know have a character who just takes a long time taking notes because they're they're doing calligraphy, right? Like they're doing very very elaborate uh, note taking. Eli also says, uh, I assume there's an inside joke to the fans where Jim says he doesn't do missing persons cases. Aren't most of his cases missing persons? <laughs> and the person looking for the other person always lies to him about why they're looking for someone. So that's the other joke, I assume, where he says he doesn't work for people who don't level with him. He only works <laughs> for people who don't level with him. <laughs> yeah. I agree on all points. I think we didn't really... It is one of those things that's just embedded in the rock traditionist of the show that like, yeah. you know, if he's and in that episode, I don't do missing persons is a way to because he doesn't want to work for this guy. That's why yeah. he's saying that. right? <laughs> but yeah, usually it's he doesn't work domestic cases, right? Like that's the yeah. other that's his uh, usual line. But uh, yeah, I agree. He only works for people who don't love. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of his whole thing. It, it would be fun because like oftentimes and very much in the rock profiles, like a, a fictional character will draw a line in the sand simply to cross it yeah right? like i'm drawing this line I'm, i will not do this and it's like okay so then we need to get you beyond that we need to get you to do that and it would be mm-hmm. kind of fun to like enumerate all of jim's lines <laughs> that just each episode that violates all of them mm-hmm. but uh, or not all of you, you know <laughs> yeah that's the thing the circumstances are always going to push him to mm-hmm. to what he needs to do Eli also talks about some Rockford family stuff, which we have another comment that feeds into it. So I'm going to talk about both of these at once. Something that has always bothered me is Jim and Rocky's ages. So in Heartaches of a Fool, which is in the late 70s, uh, they say Rocky is too old to be driving and is 68. So that would mean he was born around 1910. Mm-hmm. Jim served in Korea, 1950 to 52. Um, so Jim had to be born around 1930, which would make Rocky a young dad, but feasible. But then there's some other details. Isn't he supposed to be a World War II vet? Because he mentions the angel that he was in Seabees in 1941. Pearl Harbor, he'd been over 30. So that seems a little old. Mm-hmm. Unless he was career military, which we he clearly is not. Um, if Jim was in Korea and born around th- 1930, he'd be 44-ish at the beginning of the series, which is James Garner's real age around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jim is... I think supposed to be played younger. And then yeah. he says, uh, they treat Rocky as an old coot at 68. So Jim being in his mid 40s seems off. I know none of this is in any way important. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of the, um, we, we kind of went over this when we watched the nineties. Yes. Uh, movie, uh, or one of them about, um, um, uh, I cannot think of her name. The psychiatrist, the uh, uh, Megan. psychologist, Megan. Yes. And, they're all over the place. Yeah, they play real age. fast and loose with the with their timeline. Yeah, because there, there is a time where you you look at it and you're like, wait a minute, her and Jim mm. when they first meet, she's way too young. Yeah, but 
obviously when you go back to the episodes where they first meet that that whole section her backstory had not been written yet mm-hmm. so yeah i mean yeah, it's what happens yeah times time is fluid i feel like there's a mention i couldn't find it when i was looking through real quick but i think there's a mention in um that robertson book about rockford's prospective age because it's also like who they were casting his love interests as mm. in the show. And it's not that he was necessarily always supposed to be like older than them, but but he was, but he was because <laughs> I don't think it's specified. There's kind of like some slippage, like either he's just the age he is and he just that's just how things are. And we just don't mm-hmm. talk about it. Or he's like playing younger. But then that doesn't really line up necessarily with the timeline of as established. Again, I agree with Eli. None of this matters. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it is kind of a uh, I don't know an outgrowth of that era of of TV where it's like there's not a character bible somewhere of mm-hmm. like here's the detailed backstory of every character in this show. Yeah. Uh, I mean there 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 is maybe in terms of characterization, but not in terms of like biography, which I think gets into this other comment from uh, patron Rachel uh, via Patreon. Uh, as a Rockford Files fan and an English major, I have the grapes of wrath on my mind. Is it possible that Rocky and Jim's mom were Oki migrants to California during the Dust Bowl? I've been watching for any evidence. All I see is an appreciation for country music and maybe some Woody Guthrie-esque union support. Jim did once refer to truck driving the family from Bakersfield and a great-grandfather who was a horse thief. And of course, James Garner is an Oklahoman. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on Rockford family history? I, I mean, I, I like it. I think that's uh, I think that fits, uh, yeah. Fits, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, Rocky, Rocky's moral core <laughs> is is um, how to describe it because he does kind of go back and forth. Like quite often, he's surprised that, like for instance, that the U.S. doesn't have his best interests at heart, <laughs> right? Uh, but he definitely is like a truck union man, right? Like he's a he's a teamster, especially when we uh, will. We'll talk about this episode, but uh, Hardik's yeah, Hardik's of a fool. One of the main points is that he was tricked into doing a non-union trucking job, and mm-hmm. he's very upset about that. And uh, but yeah, I, yeah, uh, I think it fits. One of the fun things about Rocky is is when we do get to learn a little bit of his backstory, and like um, I think some of the text is in the uh the Aaron Ironwood one, the Aaron Ironwood I School of Success. Because I think one. they talk about growing up in Oklahoma or Yeah, because they they were he was almost a brother, right? Yeah, like, he was almost a, like he was like a foster. He was fostered yeah. by the Rockfords and like almost adopted or like treated like he was adopted. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And I feel like that they talk about that was in Oklahoma, I think. Yeah. Um I'd have to go back and double check. I can't imagine it not being Oklahoma, right? Because I mean, obviously, James Gardner is from there, and like that's our that's Meeker, right? It's a well he keeps going to. <laughs> yeah, and so kind of Dust Bowl era would be like the 30s, right? I should know this. I mean, his license plate is OKG, right? Oklahoma right. gangster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that would kind of match up vaguely with Rocky's age, mm-hmm. moving to California in the. 30s yeah when jim is a young kid because as established from eli's comment <laughs> i don't know yeah i'm not sure how if the 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 service if rocky service record enters into it or not um if that was you know if there's a, more text for that or not but i feel like there's enough there that we can we can headcanon at least yeah that yeah. this is I'm, uh that this all comes together i'm gonna go with it
We have one more comment from a friend of the show, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman. Uh, yes. Via Patreon on our episode 120, uh, talking about the return of the Black Shadow. Oh, right. Because uh, we were also talking about Sleight of Hand in that one as well. Uh, so Jordan says, Sleight of Hand ends on a down note with Jim mourning the loss of his girlfriend. A rare, somber note to end a Rockford Files on. That one was adopted from a novel, uh, Thin Air, as we have discussed. Even though it's a bummer, I still enjoy it more than this one. This one being uh, Return of the Black Shadow. Mm-hmm. I think that if this episode more accurately depicted the reality of what Gail was struggling with, instead of ending on such a flirty note, I would perhaps like it more. But I don't think audiences at the time would have liked that. I could see it leaving a bad taste in their mouths, and they, they may not want to tune in the following week. So it's probably yeah. a wise choice to attempt to perk up the uncomfortable story with the ending they chose, clunky as it may be. Almost every other episode ends on an upbeat or a joke, so this one might have felt like a stiff right cross to regular viewers of the Rockford Files if it ended mm-hmm. more severely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, I, I can probably count the down note. If, if it's a down note, it's a wah-wah, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, you didn't get the millions. Yeah. Like, you thought you did, but you didn't, you know. Or it's a down note, but not for Jim. Like, yeah. um... Quickie Nirvana kind of ends on a down note, but it's that not was the one I was thinking. Of. It's not <laughs> like, Jim's down note. It's yeah. um, skies and uh, uh, to protect and serve kind of ends on a down note, but yeah. it's not Jim's. It's um, the character that Joyce Van Patten um, plays. Um, yeah. You know that her whole worldview kind of has come, come crumbling down um, around her. So, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, they did what they could with that one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's another bit of evidence of a uh, reach exceeding the grasp in the the tone of that particular episode. And I would say there's even episodes of The Rockford Files where the upbeat ending is a weird, is almost a weird tonal shift Mm -hmm. from, I mean, this one in particular, I guess. But like, there's some other ones where it's like, and now we all are laughing at the end when it's like, Jim isn't yeah. getting the money and the criminal isn't getting brought to justice, but like there's a fun joke that we get to end on. Yeah. It kind of goes both ways sometimes. And it'd be interesting to uh, kind of enumerate the bummer episodes. There's nothing wrong with a bummer episode, right? Like, um, but I agree with the analysis that we're doing. If you're doing broadcast television uh, and the whole point of your show is not to be, is not necessarily to be a bummer, then um, if, if the point is to get people to come back next week. Yeah. Yeah. then you might be really sparse with that, or you might try and do something. But like, I was thinking of um, uh, the first Gandhi episode, or uh, I don't exactly remember the ending of that one, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not uh, an upbeat. The ha- the hammer of C block. The reveal is not upbeat. The ending is kind of a like, yeah, life will go on kind of yeah. ending. But yeah, the reveal is a downbeat for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it's a it's a balance, right? Because it's like when does the story that you're telling require this mm-hmm. ending to pull it together? And it's it's particularly interesting with the Rockford Files in that it it's drawing from the noirs quite often, and noirs are bummers, right? Like, not, I mean, not all of them, but like that like mm-hmm. that that genre quite often it it is part of the social contract that they're allowed to be a bummer. Right. And that's also, yeah, so it's drawing from noirs, but it's also the, I mean, the whole show is kind of walking this balancing line of like, like the, the, the whole embodiment of Jim Rockford in the world is a bit of a send up of the TV crime drama. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of being serious and gritty, it's kind of funny. And yeah. instead of always being working all the time, he's trying not to work. Right. Like <laughs> yeah, all of yeah. those things. But 
in pursuit of that, there's still there's still some gravity. Like he still has like we talk about the emotional core of an episode a lot of the time when it's like why people are acting the way they are, the yeah. things in their lives that have driven them to the place that they are. And a lot of times those are serious. Yeah. And Rockford as a character treats them seriously when it's appropriate to do so. Mm-hmm. But then we'll still end on a joke because like yeah. it's a, it's supposed to be fun and we're supposed to be enjoying watching garner act and he's a charming yeah 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 (laughs) it's a nice defense mechanism so yeah so it's that's part of the complexity of the show it it includes all of these different um different pieces all right well that was the last of our answering machine messages for now as always if you have thoughts you want to share with us you can join our patreon at patreon.com slash 200 a day you can send us an email to 200 a day podcast at gmail.com um, and there's also a contact form on the website at 200aday.fireside.fm. So you don't need to make an account anywhere or anything. You can just submit a comment um, over there as well. And also yeah. each individual episode on our website has comments enabled. So you can leave an individual uh, comment on an inv- individual episode at the website or at the Patreon because those are also public posts. Whatever, whatever works. <laughs> whatever floats your firebird. How are we doing this? All right. So we are here. So we have we have completed our Wired watch. Mm-hmm. We have watched all of the William Wired directed episodes <laughs> of The Rockford Files. It's a wrap on William Wired. At long last. I'm just counting up. Okay, let's see. One, We're two, three, four, building five, six, tongue seven. twisters for ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Four, five, five, six. Okay, because some of them are doubles that were yeah. aired as one episode, and some are doubles that were aired as two episodes. So counting those as one and two respectively, I count 26 episodes yeah. directed by William Wired of The Rockford Files, which is the most of any single director. Uh, and it took us... I would say 24 of those episodes before we figured out how to pronounce his name. Yes, yes. Well, we had to do some dedicated research. Uh, yeah. So we finally found it. But yeah, I mean, we it's been a full span of the show. I mean, if we had not done a dedicated watch, we probably will would still be watching these through the next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the first one of these that we watched was our third episode. Yeah. Hand. <laughs> and the last one was our 123rd episode. Only Rock and Roll will Never Die. <laughs> so there we go. We got 120 episodes of our show, 26 of which are. <laughs> so it's a full quarter of our episodes. Yeah. So I guess the first thing to say here is that uh, there's probably an indelible mark on on the series uh, from this director, right? Mm. Like it's just as a as a consumer of the series, uh, I'm just looking through these episodes, we're going to go through them uh, one by one. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> looking through them. Uh, I'm not saying that they're all my favorites, but there are some really standout episodes, like some of them that are just like definitely on my list of like, if you're going to watch the Rockford Files, make sure you watch this episode. I mean, if we're establishing baselines for a Rockford Files episode, there are worse ways to do it than the director who did the most of them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, looking at the writers, right? Like, yeah, the ones written by the core writing staff. Your your candles, your Bartlett's, your chases, mm-hmm. cross referenced with the ones directed <laughs> by Wired. Yes, <laughs> like that gives you kind of a median level of like, here's what a Rockford op- episode on average yeah. is going to be. Yeah, I think that's uh, 
not unfair to say. So our our vague frame for this conversation mm-hmm. is that we're doing the rewired retrospective. So we're going right. to rewind through the wired verse, going through the episodes he directed uh, in reverse airing order. So we're going to start off right. with the Hawaiian headache, which is the last one he directed that aired. And then we're going to go backwards all the way back to sleight of hand in the first season, which was the first of his that he directed that aired. Uh, yes. And like you said, the third episode that we ever did. Right. So that, yeah. That's so it's fun. kind of interesting seeing how we, how our bounce around kind of intersects with these. Cause obviously yeah. we're going to remember the ones we've done most recently better, but some mm-hmm. of the ones we did first were indelible marks on our, yeah, on our show. Exactly. So buckle up. <laughs> no, we're just going to kind of talk about them. But also I think, like you said, some of these are standout must watch episodes. Yeah. So maybe by the end of our conversation, we will have highlighted a a watch list, a a wired a wired watch list mm-hmm. of yes. you know maybe the <laughs> the premiere episodes that we would recommend for further viewing if you haven't watched all of these. I think my main overall statement is that even though he's done so many of these episodes, part of that is because he doesn't necessarily have a strong aesthetic. It's a very craftsman-like approach to TV. We're bringing in pros who do the thing we're asking them to do. And his rep, as we've gleaned from various sources, is like, he knows what he wants. He comes in, he tells us what he wants. He already has Mm -hmm. the shots in his head. It's uh, efficient. We're not wasting a lot of time. We're getting it done. It looks Mm -hmm. good. We're moving on to our next episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, just like glancing at this list. There, there are definitely some of these that um, might have moments that I would that I could attribute to him as like this is memorable, right? But it, in general, I agree. Like I think it, it's um, it's what a Rockford Files episode looks like, yeah. right? Like that's 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 what we're dealing with here. So um, yeah, because I think just to be totally upfront, right? Most of what makes a great Rockford Files episode is the writing. Yeah, we're not trying to pretend like that's not what we're talking about when we say here's a great episode you should watch uh, they have some performers that are pretty good <laughs> that, I, say, I mean yeah. yes that's too but i'm saying if you're holding yeah, steady yeah, the performers and holding steady yeah, yeah. the director <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the writing is generally what is elevating one of these episodes I over agree. another episode i would agree 200 a day is a 100 percent listener supported show Thanks to our patrons. In addition to our gratitude and editing access to our 200 Files Files spreadsheet, patrons receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses. Our bonus just chatting podcast about media, work, and life. We expend special thanks to our gumshoe patrons supporting this episode. Brian Burnson has a Facebook page where he drives his Rockford tribute car to shooting locations from the show. Check out facebook.com slash Brian Rockford Files. Join Mitch Hampton to examine all matters aesthetic at the Journey of an Aesthete podcast. And Paul Townend recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color. You can find these shows wherever you get your podcasts. Dale Norwood wrote a book. It's about fast ships, cheap drugs, and American political economy, published by the University of Chicago Press. Find Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America, wherever good books are sold. Chuck from whatyourreading.com. Shane Liebling has all of your online dice rolling needs sorted at his site rollforyear.party. And check out Jay Adon's amazing miniature painting skills at jayadon.com.
Com. In addition, thanks to Andre Apignani, Tom Clancy, Pumpkin Jabba Peach Bug, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Holly, Dale Church, and Colleen Kelly. And finally, special appreciation for our detective-level patrons. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenor, at Antenor on Twitter, Brian Pereira, at Thermoware, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman, at Jordan Bockelman, Bill Anderson, at BillAnd88, and of course, Richard Haddam, at Richard Haddam. If you're interested in keeping us going for as little as $1 an episode, check out patreon.com slash 200 today to see if becoming a patron is right for you. Let us start our rewired retrospective, Mm -hmm. as promised, with season six, episode seven, The Hawaiian Headache. To begin at the end. Yes, which was our episode 69. Nice. So, uh... This is the one where... So this is the one where Jim and Rocky win a trip to Hawaii, uh, and then Jim is brought into an issue of national security by his old Korean War sergeant, Mad Dog someone. Uh, John Howling Mad Smith. Yes. Uh, Ken Swafford. Yes. The inimitable Ken Swafford, one of my favorite um, guest stars. He has done... uh, Was it... Four or five different characters. Yeah, including the the dad from um, uh, the Queen of Peru. Yeah, Carl Runco. That's the one. Yeah, the wrong. Oh, guys. right, and he's he's uh, yeah, he's been an FBI agent, a DEA agent, right? PI. He's great. Yeah, this is a wild episode. <laughs> kind of in a good way. This is kind of an unhinged episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, if I remember correctly, um, this is the last one they filmed. I think so. I'm confirming that now. IMDb says it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is a let's take all of the regular cast members on vacation on the company dying. Right, right. Episode. Yeah, it was all on location in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. 30 Years of the Rockford Files has a award related entry here for on this one. Mm. I mean, I'll just quote this whole thing because it's all about him. This episode was filmed entirely on location in Hawaii. That show was really fun to make because we had everybody over there and it was just a marvelous, marvelous time, said Jack Garner. And we all enjoyed each other and we worked well together. And it was directed by one of our favorite directors, Bill Wired. Garner had known Wired since the days when the director was still a film editor. One day, back when I first started acting, Bill told me that he had planned on becoming a director, Garner recalled. So I said to him, when you become a director, use me. And Bill said, well, Jack, the first time I need a drunk blacksmith, you're it. (laughs) Sometime later, my agent called me to see if I was available to do a segment of Daniel Boone. It was going to be directed by Bill Wired, and he wanted me on the show. (laughs) So that's all from Jack Garner. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. But yes, this is a bit of a party atmosphere. Mm -hmm. There's like the, the shootout with the gangsters. Uh, where like how mad goes, go mm-hmm. lives up to his name, lives up to his name. Um, angel like comes along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> There's this very thin B plot about why like Dennis is there. Cause he's doing something else for the local cops or something. Yeah. Our, our take on it overall was that it's like, it's very silly. It's very fun. There's not really much of a mystery. It's not a recommend if you haven't done the Rockford files, mm-hmm. but it's a fun thing to do. In season six of the Rockford Files, right? For us Rockford stands, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun just to see everyone just like having a good time in Hawaii. Hamming it up and yeah. If you were just tuning in and this was the first one you saw, I think it might be a little like, hmm, interesting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what is this show? What is this show even? 
And I appreciate that we got a little uh, shout out to Wired in the write up there from yeah from Jack Garner. Uh, yeah, so I think we we're going to kind of assemble a list of recommends as we go here. I'm not sure if this would make my recommend list. No, no. Like I said, perfectly fun episode to watch as a victory lap. Yeah, yeah. For a great series, right? Like, um, but uh, I wouldn't put it in the the. Um, Put it in front of a new viewer or even like, hey, you want to remember the Rockford Files? Mm-hmm. It's it's not really representative. Yeah. Yeah. So turn that dial back a little bit more. Let's, yeah. Let's rewind a little bit and go back to only rock and roll will never die. Season six, three and four. <laughs> Our most recent episode. Yeah. Episode 123. This is going to take a lot of thinking on our part here. Um, yeah, it's, uh, our most recent episode, so it's the freshest in our brain, but uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. I don't even think I can remember what I said <laughs> in that episode, and we only recorded it a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. <laughs> so this this one, so this, the, the rock star, Tim Ritchie, uh, yeah. he has his body man, um, uh, played by George Loros, uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Boy, one of our favorite, another one of our favorite guest Characters. stars, guest yeah. uh, appearances, um, bring in Jim to find his missing uh, former bandmate slash producer. Old friend. Eddie is obsessed with this reporter who's hanging around doing a story. Jim reveals a mob connection and tries to get out of the gig, but then his place gets shot up. He gets shot in the leg. And things spiral from there. There's a nice conniving friend involved who might be a Muppet. It's hard right, to yes, like yes. <laughs> Um Yeah, so there's a lot going on. It's a two-parter. And it's a aired-in-two-parts two-parter. Mm-hmm. I, I was just finishing up editing this one, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. After the first episode, there was this feeling of like, okay, but why? And right. then the second episode kind of has all the stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And I found it a bit tiring to watch because there was a lot of references that I didn't really understand and care to to look up. But that might just be a me thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't come out of this one feeling like it was one of my favorites. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, um, there's a lot of things that I found memorable about it. There's a lot of good bits and whatnot. There's a lot of good bits. There's a lot of good characters. Yeah, but... um, because of the proximity to the uh, other... The next one. <laughs> is it the next one? Lions, Tigers, Monkeys, and Dogs. Oh, no, no. I was thinking, in our viewing order, oh. uh, the proximity to... Um, I know this one's on our list. Oh, Hardix of a Fool. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, like it's him working with a music star who's unable to deal with, with his fame, which is yeah. a, a, a theme in in this one, too. Uh Heartaches of Fools, a much tighter uh, episode and uh, a smaller cast and more memorable moments for me, I think. That's interesting that we did. We just happened to end up doing those two in close proximity and they are very comparable. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I may all save more more of that comparison for when we talk about that one. But yeah, I think just even just looking at the title, the next couple titles on the list, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't recommend yeah. this one over because we have three doubles in a row going in this direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I'm going to recommend one of these, it's not going to be this one. It's going to be one of the other ones. <laughs> so. I agree. I agree. It's fun. Uh, it's a Rockford Files episode. It's a Rockford Files. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next on our list then is... Lions, Tigers, Monkeys, and Dogs, which is a two-hour episode. So syndicated in two parts, but aired as a single episode. And this is the one with Lauren Bacall yeah, uh, as the socialite Kendall, 
who is friends with Princess Irene, who brings in Jim because there's attempts on her life and then things get more and more mysterious <laughs> and yeah. confusing as it goes on. So the, the princess uh, thinks that there's attempts on Lauren Bacall's character. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The princess brings in Jim because there's attempts yeah. on Kendall's life. This is definitely a standout episode. Uh, I just noticed that this one aired literally the episode before uh, the one we just talked yes. about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So uh, good season to be a wired head like mm-hmm. like like we call ourselves um this is yeah this is definitely one of one of the better ones like uh, you know lauren bacall is great uh mm-hmm. jim and lauren are great together yeah they're it's an incredible chemistry yeah uh the mystery is full of fun twists and turns yeah i don't know uh what to say about it other than uh, like my memory of it is very warm yeah like i like mm-hmm. this is definitely one of the ones i would put on a list as if you're going to watch a two-parter. Same. Yeah. Yeah. This was our, I don't remember if I mentioned it, this was our episode 103. Um, yeah. It, it really leverages that chemistry, the the called Garner chemistry. But then it also has that really memorable ending uh, where it turns into, I think we talked about how this was an episode that really turns into like a vibes. Like it goes yeah. from like plot to vibes, like yeah. hard at the end. <laughs> and it has that ending with the princess uh, going out onto the football field with like all the voiceover from her past and stuff. Yeah. I am not Irene Pinchuk from Simi Valley. I want to have them all laughing at me. I am a princess. So it really balances. You know, this all character writing and then also this kind of more abstract, emotional storytelling mm-hmm. in a way that's very that I think works really well. And it is also a little interesting to contrast that this one is written by Juanita Bartlett. Yeah. When Rock and Roll Will Never Die was written by David Chase. And mm-hmm. again, they kind of have a similar uh there are a lot of elements in each one, and they're assembled in very different ways. And I think they're testaments to the writing strengths of each of them, and they are very different episodes. Yes. And uh, this is always a a bonus to any Rock for Fives episodes. It, it's one of the, the Charlie uh, Martel, uh, what's his mm. name? Um, Leo Gordon plays the, the heavy that Jim hires as a bodyguard that does such a poor job. Also always a, a standout when we get to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that definitely goes on our recommend list, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the next one might as well, which is the next one in reverse order goes to the end of season five with season five, episode 19, Never Send a Boy King to Do a Man's Job. Uh, again, a two hour episode, again, written by Juanita Bartlett. Um, and uh, one of uh, my favorite episodes of all time. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up yeah this was our episode 79 uh so if you've joined us recently it may be worth going back to check it out this is a con game episode mm-hmm. so it's very different in tone it is the return in fact the apparently the, the original title was the return of Richie brockelman um <laughs> <laughs> who is coming to jim for help because his dad is getting strong-armed out of uh like a printing plant that he yeah. owned or was part of or something so uh, uh richie brockelman is uh, a new a, a young up-and-coming pi who jim has done some work with in the past and is coming back to jim for help and jim ends up assembling a team of cons to run a big store con on the 
gangster. He's not like a mobbed up gangster. He's kind of like a private gangster. Yeah, yeah. If I remember right. <laughs> an indie, an indie gangster. Yeah, he's he's more <laughs> of a crime tycoon than a yeah. uh, mob guy. But they end up convincing him that he is under a mummy's curse. <laughs> that's the that's the con uh mm-hmm. so that he abandons his his business affairs and uh yeah it's um it's great yeah we got another uh juanita bartlett in the house kind of mm-hmm. uh situation with it it yeah i i agree i would say it's a uh nexus of rockfordishness Mm-hmm. A, an easy recommend yeah like hey yeah again it's a it's a two-parter right it's a two-parter but it's a, again it's a it's a two-hour episode that's split into two for syndication yeah uh but it's, yeah the single two-hour um slot if, if a friend is saying hey this this saturday uh i want like something like a matinee while mm-hmm. i eat my lunch this do it mm-hmm. yeah or like i really like the sting but mm-hmm. i want to watch something else from the 70s yeah, <laughs> like, oh, you should watch this episode, this hour and a half running time episode of The Rockford yeah. Files. It's basically a con movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, filled with great characters and, uh, yeah. Some real tense moments and a great breakdown of how a con game works, mm-hmm. which I think we clipped and put into that episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a, there's a moment where Jim explains to Richie how the psychology of the con works. Yeah. Well, the whole idea of a con is to start the mark off working with something that he understands, plausible stuff. And then with each move, you take him further and further away from reality, huh? You hook him. You show him the pot of gold, and then you back away. Then you bring in the stall. You get him off balance. So when you're ready to sting him, he's going to go for something on the first day of the con. He would have laughed at you for even suggesting. Uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's great. Yeah, highly very recommend. good. Okay. Go back one more episode. New season five, episode 18, A Material Difference, which was our episode 76. This is an Angel episode. Angel runs a con where he pretends to be a hitman in the sense that he takes contracts but doesn't actually do the hit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so this one's going back for us, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. is 76 puts us in uh, 2001, 2002, whenever we started this (laughs) <laughs> this is from October of 2020 is when we okay. did this. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it wasn't that long ago. It was long in COVID years, though. So it's almost three years ago. Yeah. As we record. Um, I did. I like Angel as a hitman. I remember loving mm-hmm. like Angel trying to be this appearing as this uh, dangerous character. The, looking at the IMDb, the photo of him with the sunglasses is just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the most I can recall from it. Like, I, I'm sure it was a fun. Angel's running this con as a hitman. The con is I can collect the front money, not kill them. And then no one can come after me because they're going to incriminate themselves as yeah. someone who hired a hitman. So I just get the half payment every time. <laughs> the first time he tries to run this, it's a Russian agent hires him to kill a Russian defector who has a secret formula for blue jeans. Right. Right. That's the material gag yeah and then u.s naval intelligence is involved because they want to use this secret formula to make navy dungarees because it'll save (laughs) the u.s government so much money which is a fantastic little detail yeah but we don't really find all this out until the very end most of the plot is about angel running from people who are trying to kill him jim trying to help them out help him out kind of 
Yeah, I don't really remember all the details. Is this the one where Jim gets very angry with Angel? Ooh, it might be. Because there is that one, the, the very memorable scene where the acting is so good. I think that one's actually in a different episode. Okay. I know All what right. you're talking about. I think that's, that might be in the one that is like the, the word where angels like the Patsy in the land swindle. Yeah. Where he thinks he's a big man, but it turns out that he's being used. I don't think that's in this, this that's not in our write up here. Anyway, I know what you're talking about. I think this might mm-hmm. be a, have a moment like that, but it might not be the moment that you're thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely a fun episode. Uh, our our take on it, just going back to my notes, is that it's a fun romp. It's not really necessarily solid or like the actual like mystery <laughs> is a little fast and loose. But watching Jim and Angel do Jim and Angel things is yeah, always always fun. always a pleasure. Yeah, this one I think also has the like spy movie frame where it does like like. January first, da 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 da, da and has yeah, like yeah. a little like uh, uh, yeah, typing yeah. on the screen thing. Like it kind of stands out um, visually in in a couple of those ways. Yeah, that's a thing we might be able to thank Wired for. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So then we go back one more episode in season five to okay. episode seventeen, the return of the Black Shadow, which we also did recently. Our episode one twenty, and, and we talked a little bit about in our uh, answering machine thing. Yeah, yeah. So this one feels a little. Backdoor piloty again um, for Coop. I think on on the Patreon we had, there was a bit of conversation about how we would definitely watch watch a show where it was just Coop going undercover into a different criminal organization every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yes, I would watch that. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, it's not an episode that I I would recommend. Uh, the content no. is uh, you know there's yeah. As exhaustively detailed, we did not find it to be a particularly great handling of a revenge, a, a rape yeah. revenge plot. And it's barely Rockford. Uh, Rockford's barely in it. Yeah. There's some, definitely some good moments in it, and there's definitely, you know, some things that that I enjoyed. But when it comes to this retrospective... It stands out for a lot of reasons, but not in a way that I would put it on a you-should-watch-this list. Exactly, yeah. Though, ironically, it does have some of the strongest visual styling with some of the, like, yeah. the way that the a lot of the motorcycle stuff is shot and stuff, and mm-hmm. some of the action scenes are very cinematic, and that all feels very directorially strong. Good stuff from Wired in service of a episode that I don't really recommend people watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way to sum that up. All right. And then we go back two more episodes to season five, episode 14, Guilt, which was our episode 57. Mm. I dare you to tell me what this episode is about. I actually do remember this one. Just looking at the IMDb uh, debriefing, and I do remember this episode. Um, this is his, an ex of his thinks she's being hunted or uh she's being hunted the most dangerous game um yeah i don't remember the plot exactly she is being it starts off with like a her dog gets shot right like that's the first scene it's kind of like a unclear if it's a warning or a botched attempt i think it's like her husband is in some business or something okay I do not remember the plot. The, I don't either. <laughs> the idea here is that, so this this ex, Valerie, come, brings back Jim because she's in trouble and she needs help. But mm-hmm. she's emotionally ma- manipulative. And yeah. throughout the episode, I think we see in stark 
detail how toxic their relationship was and continues to be. Yeah. It does end with a helicopter chase, a helicopter chasing a car, like yes. chasing Jim, and they like drive yes. into a hangar and the helicopter explodes. Yes, I remember that. There's a lot of stuff that's like, oh, that happens in this episode. Yeah. But my memory is that the portrayal of the toxic relationship was a little too real for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I found it a difficult watch, even though there's definitely some fun stuff happening on the screen. Uh, yeah, so that was my takeaway. There's nothing wrong with this episode, but I personally would not choose to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, uh, it probably was perfectly fine, but uh, not not memorable. Well, the next one in our reverse order is going down to season five, episode six. A good clean bust with yes. simple rights, which is uh, our episode 80. Frankie Falco. Yeah, Falcone. Falcone. This is the TV uh, detective that uh, Rocky is obsessed with. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. What is his catch line? Freeze, turkey. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> go on. Go on. Say it. Please. Uh, you know, huh? Freeze, turkey. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, it's the guest star is uh, Hector Elizondo as oh, Frank Falcone. Great. I have fond memories of this one. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. The mm-hmm. Falcone character is fun. It has a great graphic design. It's my passion moment where there's this like <laughs> sign outside a ballroom that is just just a great example of typography um, <laughs> that I remember very well. There was some fun research because um, I was looking some of the stuff up and it was like Calumet City goons. Mm. That it turns out, Calumet City was like a organized crime location in the in the twentieth cent in the early twentieth century. Some fun, like oh, this is probably coming from some personal knowledge or some research that the uh, that the writer did. This one was uh, this one was written by Rudolf Borchert. There's a uh, Rockford. Fi- I mean, this is a general trope, but there's a Rockford Files trope where Jim gets paired up with someone who is in some way involved in romanticizing mm-hmm. Jim's life, right? Like, um, you know, oftentimes he ends, like that one guy who just wants to be a PI. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, reads all the detective novels or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is another one of those. And it's just got great moments. It, you know, like um, Frank Falcone. Yeah, is a fun character. They yeah. like go, they have that whole bit where they go out like on the town and he like starts a fight. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's trying to get some space away from Jim because Jim is, like, babysitting him. Because the whole yeah. deal is that he has, like, a, a toy deal. Yeah. If he, But he he is not a well-behaved man. Um, so if he keeps getting into trouble, then his toy deal is going to fall through. Like, it's a whole... There's, like, a moral panic about, like, yeah. violent toys and stuff. It's... Yeah. There's fun stuff. Uh, our summary here, because I do write, you know, summaries of our episodes for the for the website. So I'm going to those to kind of be like, what did we think about this one? Said uh, we found the plot to be unremarkable, but the Jim Frank dynamic makes for a good vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember. Like even just looking at the IMDb photos of the two of them together, it's clear. I'm not sure if this is a recommend, but it is a fond. It's fun. If I was like, I'm going to turn on the Rockford Files, and this was the one that came on, I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> and then we go a couple episodes earlier. Episode three, season five, the Jersey bounce. This is the prequel <laughs> to uh, just a couple of guys. Um, so I'm going to have a little trouble untangling those two. I think, Oh, this is the introduction of Coop. 
It's the introduction of Coop. It's the introduction of Eugene and Mickey, the two yeah. Jersey losers, <laughs> like wannabe gangsters. It's it's weird to say it's the, it is the introduction. They're the same characters. They're completely remade in the next episode, right? Like to the point where Jim doesn't remember them, or I, I yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a two two alternate reality uh yeah. <laughs> versions of these characters. So in this one it's uh one of those kind of fun premises where it's like why does this story happen? Because these two guys yes. rent a house next to Rockies and then they yes. keep like stealing Rockies uh like grilling supplies mm-hmm. and Jim just can't take it anymore. Yeah. But then someone ends up dead, they point the finger at Jim. Mm-hmm. And then there's a fairly convoluted plot through which we find out that this guy was dating a local mobster's sister and, like, was beating her up. And so they, the guys from Jersey, were like, if we take him out, that will put us in good graces with this guy. Yeah. But he didn't actually ask them to. And so that creates this whole storm of, of uh, uh, the, the, it creates the, the drama of the plot of like who did what when and why and who knew what when and all that. It's a juicy Rockford Files because of uh, like, okay, so you get Rocky definitely. You get villains who are not competent, right. but not they're not safe at all. There are multiple villains with multiple concerns, which I always love in a Rockford Files episode, right? Mm. Like Rockford is tangled up in something where there are a lot of vectors for things to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, it's the introduction to Coop. We don't get a whole lot of Coop in the Rockford Files, but I, he, I do like him. This is kind of the most we get of him. I mean, I yeah. guess we kind of get the most of him in, in The Return of the Black Shadow. But yeah, as one of Jim's, you know, circle... Like, we get the introduction, we get a little bit of his background, we have that great yeah. scene um, in the bar where they kind of have a bit of sparring but kind of come to an understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to see them become friends. The actual lawyer that Jim gets is bad. Is, like, mailing it in. Yeah, and so he ends up going, uh, talking to Cooper and being like, wait, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then Cooper unable to drop Jim's case the same way that Jim is often unable yeah, to drop yeah. another case. You know, like it's good. Uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of this. Now that we're kind of talking about it. So when we originally did it, mm-hmm. it was in context of, we did the, the other one, um, the, uh, the couple of guys, just a couple. Yeah. Of guys. Yeah. That we, we'd done just a couple of guys. Then we went back and we did this one. And so we were kind of talking about it in context of that, but not, doing it in context of that. Yeah. I feel like this is actually a stronger episode as a yeah. don't think about that other episode. It happens later. It happens <laughs> later. We, it didn't exist at the time. Yeah. We get Coop. We do get a, a good villains with different concerns mm-hmm. um, kind of tangle that we like so much. We get Jim being very threatening, which is yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. We get some memorable side characters. We get the like the woman who's like the, the, the sister who... They like interview because her mm-hmm. boyfriend is the one who got killed, and she talks about how he like loved whales. Like he had like albums of whale song and stuff. Yes. He was also like this like wannabe mobster who beat her up all the time. Like there's some like some gravity to that character that we just see that in that little point of time that still sticks with me a little bit. This is the episode where I think she's gifted a heavy metal album yes. or something. Yeah, like and we that. tried to figure and out I, who it might have yeah. been. <laughs> <laughs> I spent. A little too much time trying to suss out which one it is. Just looking at the list of titles, I probably wouldn't have put it on a recommend list. But now that we're talking about it... Yeah, yeah we can talk ourselves into it. It has a lot of good stuff. If we feel like we need a, a 
uh, honorable mention, maybe. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Jersey bounce. Yeah. So we have a good run here. We uh, from episode three, Jersey bounce to episode two of season five. Rosendahl and Gilda Stern are dead. Oh yes. Our episode fifty nine. Abe Vagoda, the legend. That's Abe Vagoda, yes. Um, we record, or yeah, we recorded this one October of 2019. <laughs> so forgive us if we don't really remember. It's a Rita. It's a Rita uh, episode. It's the second appearance of Rita. Rita Kapkovic, played by Rita Moreno. Yeah, I'm just gonna straight out and say any episode with her in it's worth watching. So I remember this one being like really quite gripping. So the whole plot surrounds a doctor who's murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a nurse, I guess. I think those are the ro- the doctor is Rosendahl and the nurse is Gilda Stern. We were trying <laughs> to figure out if the title had anything to do other than the pun, and we think it's just yeah. the pun. But Abe Vigoda plays this mobster who is trying to hide that he has cancer, I think. Yeah. Either he's trying to cover his tracks or someone is doing it for him or they're mm-hmm. like, we can't let this get out. And this doctor was going to like, cause this doctor was getting investigated for being relate, like doing mob d- medicine or something. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but Rita gets framed because she's a sex worker mm-hmm. and she's in the area of this convention, this doctor convention. And then this guy's body is found or whatever. Um, it's a, it's a real, character study at the end yeah. of this of the mobster of the Vagoda character i remember him at the police the precinct and yes it's just so he's so good he's just so good lies i got out of here nothing but lies it's not a, a physical problem it's an attitude problem you're not trying in therapy mr gabriel the fact is there is no need for you to be in a wheelchair there is no need at all you could be on crutches of course with Crutches, there would be a certain discomfort. Pain, not discomfort, pain! I ought to kill you where you stand. I ought to kill you slow. He's really good. He's really menacing, but he's also really frail, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great combination. There's some Moby Dick illusions going on. There's like, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I just remember um, in my write up, I say it's a great character study of a villain who thinks he's a victim. Um, and the Rita Jim chemistry is so fun to watch. That's worth the price of admission all on its own. Yeah, it's it's good. Kind of a sleeper, because I don't know if it would come to mind. Yeah. But again, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, it's really satisfying. It's a real satisfying... Yeah. A real satisfying Juanita Bartlett episode, <laughs> written episode, as one yeah. might expect. I mean, just looking at our list here, um, the next episode, we're just going to go back to the first episode of the season. Right. Which happens to be Heartaches of a Fool. Yeah, episode uh, one of season five. Right, which we very recently did as our episode 121. So we got episode of this season, episode one, episode two, episode three, and episode six uh, Mm. are all... um, There's more in this season that belong to the Wired verse. But this start of the season, the first six episodes... Yeah, this is the most episodes in a season that he does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great start. (laughs) <laughs> yeah if if you weren't a Rockford Files fan before this season this is a good way to begin right oh for sure do we think uh, Rosendahl and Gilda Stern goes on the recommend list yeah I mean we're going to overpopulate that recommend list but we might as well right right now I'm putting I'm putting stars for definite and and pluses for for possibles 
Yeah. And we can evaluate. I, I would I would almost start this one. It's a hard one to like I I'm with you. When I first read the title in our list, I was like, Oh, I think I kinda remember but then when I remembered that it's uh Rita and Abe and mm. like I was like, Oh, I really like that uh yeah. Well, speaking of good ones, uh, again, we have talked about Heartaches of a Fool very recently, mm-hmm. and we've already compared another episode <laughs> unfavorably to it as a better example, or at least a more uh, a tighter example of a rock star who is dealing with fame um, yeah. while Jim is running around trying to do things. He also uh, is solving a sausage smuggling operation. This is a good Rocky episode. A good Rocky episode. He gets kicked out of the union, but it turns out the union <laughs> is corrupt, so he gets to go back into the union. Um, I believe I said when we started it, it might not be the best Rockford Files episode, but it might be the best 200 a day episode that we get to do <laughs> because we have all of these, all just all of these fun things going on. It has the great music, um, has the Willie Nelson soundtrack. This one has the. Um... The drone shot at the end, a helicopter, whatever they use. <laughs> yeah, it was probably a helicopter at the time. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, is a standout when it comes to Rockford Files cinematography. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that there's like, you know, I think there's some really good cinematography in the Rockford Files from time to time. But this one was. This one's memorable. Yeah, memorable. And, you know, like we could probably thank Wired for to some extent. At least there. some of that. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm putting a star on this one right now. I don't see any reason it would not be on a recommend list. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's a good one. Yeah. Uh it's got it's got a great tussle. Good tussle. <laughs> good meaty tussle. Good meaty tussle. Can't, you can't not like that. If you really want to hear more about it, you can just go back uh three or four <laughs> episodes and uh we have, we talk about it at length. Yeah. <laughs> we are gonna take a little break in the middle of our episode here. So that we can stretch, maybe get a beverage or a snack, and talk about the other places that you can find us on the internet. Epi, if our listeners want more Epi, where can they go to get maximum Epi? You can find uh, me at my website, digathousandholes.com. That's dig1000holes.com. Or you can get my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com. That's worlds, plural, Master Singular. If you want to engage with me on the social medias, the best place to go right now is Mastodon at Epidia at Dice.Camp. Nathan, if they want to get Maximum Nathan, where do they have to go for that? I should have gone Maximum Nathan. Maximum Nathan can be found at my website, ndpdesign.com. That's the hub for all my stuff on the internet, including all my uh, role-playing games, zines, and other podcasts. Uh, So if you're interested in pro wrestling detectives Mm -hmm. or zines about pro wrestling, (laughs) among other things, um, those are all at my website. It also has links to contact me in other ways. Currently, I'm still... um, Posting on Instagram at Andy Paoletta. That's where I'm posting pictures of my dog. Uh, you can also find me at cohost, cohost.org slash NDP. That is a fun, small scale social media site that I'm enjoying quite a lot. And now we return to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish. All right. So that is our fifth season compliment from the Wiredverse. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go back to season four, starting off with episode 18. South by Southeast, another Bartlett Wired collab. 
What do you remember about this one? This is the one where he goes to Mexico. Yeah, it's a weird one uh, in that in, in that regard, right? Yeah. Like, um, uh, he's very out of his element. It's the one where they just have a wrong address for a CIA operative, and mm-hmm. that just whisks Jim away into the wilds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember this one having just kind of an amazing bittersweet romance, right? Yes, yeah. It has a romance with the woman. She's like a wealthy, independently wealthy woman because her dad died and left her all of his business interests or whatever. Yeah. And her husband is plotting to kill her. Yes. So Jim um, spoils the plot to poison her, and then they have this bittersweet ending where their romance has bloomed over the course of the episode. Mm -hmm. But... Their conflict has been along, like, class division lines. Yes, she's very wealthy. And he not only is not wealthy, which is fine, he also kind of is, like, kind of reflexively suspicious of the idea of being wealthy. Yeah. um, And having that life. And he's kind of like, I just couldn't have that life. Mm -hmm. Again, my memory of it, and I might be exaggerating it from what's actually in the text, but, like, there's a sticking point where he's like... He's like, I work for a living. I like my life. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be the person that you're attracted to if I lived your life. Yes. And then she kind of is like, well, I'll look you up next time you're in L.A. Next time I'm in L.A. And he's like, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's OK. Yeah. Go live your life. Um, Yeah. And there's that kind of bittersweet parting at the end, which is kind of in a way stands out a little bit. Cause I feel like a lot of the time these romances are just kind of left like, and that's the end of the episode. I guess we'll never see her again. Yeah. And this one actually like gives us a real, like, no, this is also the end of their relationship. Like we've seen the entire thing in this episode. Like as far as putting it on a list of recommendations, it, uh, it's a good episode. I, I really enjoyed it. It's it has some unique features, but I don't know if it's like, if it's a must watch. Right. I mean, part of any must-watch list is, like, who's your audience here? And if the audience is is, uh, people who are interested in learning about the Rockford Files, this isn't really a much-watch one, because he's out of his element for a lot of it, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. But but if you're a fan of the Rockford Files, you you know it's fun to watch Jim to be out of it, being out of his element. And it does have an extremely Rockfordishness premise with the, like, wrong address leads him to be yes. a ersatz yeah. <laughs> CIA operative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to our next one in our reverse order here is season four, episode 13, a deadly maze, another Bartlett ward, uh, collab, our episode one nineteen. So again, we did it recently. Oh yeah. Right. This is the one where the, uh, psychologist academic yeah. researcher recruits Jim to find his, wife who isn't really his wife she's an actor but then Mm -hmm. she ends up um she ends up murdered and so there is an actual crime to be uncovered and uh as as came up in our answering machine episode it's one where jim really doesn't want to take the case (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) but ends up talked into it uh kind of against his will jim jim starts as a uh unwitting subject of a psychological experiment right right so, spoilers, uh, if you haven't watched it, because we do talk about how the reveal oh, yeah. of his unwittingness <laughs> is really core to enjoying the episode. And it's a yeah, little yeah. more formulaic if you know what the reveal is going to be. So, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, we talked about it fairly recently. Um, a lot of 
I feel like we say like it's a lot of fun stuff. There's always a lot of fun stuff. It's a yeah, lot yeah. of files. So we in my write up, I said we it was recommended because uh, it's such an offbeat script with a lot of Rockfordishness in it. Yeah, I, I do not rescind that. However, in context of what we're talking about here, I'm not sure if I would elevate it over some of the other ones we've talked about on this list. I don't think it it um, we're we're gonna hit some. We've already hit some pretty good ones, but then mm. we're we're about to hit some really good ones. <laughs> <laughs> we have some meaty middle here where it's like this yeah. is a good episode, but yeah, I think it uh, suffers in competition with all the other ones. But sure. uh, I think it's perfectly fine. It's a good episode. It's fun. Well, speaking of fun episodes, our mm-hmm. next one on our list here is season four, episode six, Requiem for a Funny Box. Yes. And this one's a quite an episode. <laughs> this one, quite an episode. How long ago did we do this one? It was fairly recent, right? Yeah, um, July twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. Okay, not that. Okay, so, ahead. but I agree. I feel like it wasn't that long ago, which I think means it's a real. It was our episode eighty eight. Um, yeah. So uh, it sticks out. Uh, so this one's we got a comedian uh, who Kenny Bell. Yeah, Kenny Bell. Who just he's. He's an awful comedian, uh, but Rocky <laughs> loves him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's wrapped up in a mob thing. I like. I, I. I mean, we shouldn't really worry too much about spoilers. No, the funny box, right? Is mm-hmm. his 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 joke book, basically his joke book. Yeah, uh, and he he ends up recording something. Is he is he extorting? He's stealing jokes, right? And the person he's stealing the jokes from, who's his old part, his old like comedy partner before they split up or whatever, is in a relationship with a mobster. Yes. So they're they're in a same sex relationship. That's yeah. secret. And then the fact that Kenny Bell, the 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 comedian that Jim is mostly dealing with, is recording his partner means that he's he knows he's recorded about this liaison. Yeah. And he has a recording. He has recordings of it, and so that makes him a target for, I think, for the partner to try and is trying to take, or maybe his his part, maybe the mob, because because the mob, the the mobbed up partners, yeah, his dad uh, put out a hit on him. Yeah, it's it's horrible. His dad's like, you have to kill this. You have to kill your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when he can't do it, he gets hit himself basically yeah. his yes the mob guy's homophobic dad would rather yeah. kill his son than allow him to stay in a relationship with another man yeah that's that's the the thing that happens so saying all that there's a lot to recommend itself about this episode right, right? like yeah so it's handled i mean we're not we're not the ones to say but it appears to be handled quite well especially for the time mm-hmm. uh the issues the uh Mystery is great. It's it's a real mystery mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's some good like uh pathos. Um mm-hmm. like there's the whole thing where the 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 comedian is married and his wife is long suffering and in the end I think partially due to Jim's encouragement, I don't remember, but in the end she leaves. Yeah. And we're like good for you. Like yeah, get get away from this. Guy. You made it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, yeah, this one definitely sticks out in my mind. Um, it has a good 
some good stuff about like a suitcase of cash is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the actor who plays Kenny Bell, um, Chuck McCann. Yeah. He's a very comedic presence, but he also can be serious. He's a voice like you recognize his voice from lots of like cartoons of the era also, but mm-hmm. he's he was in a Columbo episode that I like. Like he's a he's a fun screen presence. And there's a whole thing about like Kenny tells Jim what's going on, but then when he brings Kenny in to tell the cops, he won't tell the cops. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> they have that dynamic, which is fun. Mr. Bell, did you hire Mr. Rockford to make a uh, ransom exchange for a funny box belonging to you? Excuse me? It's a uh, uh, catalog of jokes, a tool used by professional comics. Well, to begin with, I never had one. So there'd be no reason to hire Jim to, uh, what was it, right? ransom it, did you say? Kenny, this is my neck we're talking about. Hey, Rox, I know. Can I get you some bail money, some legal fees, anything I can do? Our summary here, I say that uh, it's a good episode with serious tonal shifts that make it interesting, but not necessarily one we'd recommend over other episodes. I, I may be going back on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, it stuck with me more than I would have thought. Like yeah. I, like we said, we, like I thought this was a more recent one that we did. Um, it is kind of interesting having this back catalog of our opinions that are mm-hmm. clearly going to change over time. Yeah. Would you put this on a on a recommend list? I think I would, yeah. It's kind of a oddball pick. Yeah. Because it, it it kind of falls in that category of like, I don't know if you've never seen the Rockford Files, if this is the one you should watch. Right. But if you did, I feel like you'd get like a pretty good picture of what the show can do all condensed into one episode because yes. it has such those those big tonal shifts. But like we get some really good big acting out of the guy. Sylvan, I think, is the the, yeah. the, the mob family. So like like Papa Sylvan, he has this like really big speech that Mm -hmm. details all of his grievances about his son and stuff. And it's like, that's pretty memorable. And he's been in a lot of other episodes too. He's great. Um, that actor. So, all right, I'll put a star on it for now and we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll jump back into our time traveling, uh, firebird. Yes. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, (laughs) and we're going down to our episode one seventeen trouble in chapter 17, which was not intentional. No. Uh, so this is, this is the episode with the woman who wrote the book about the way women should yes. Uh, behave. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is 117, you said, so it's slightly more recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, lots of good stuff in this. Very frustrating client, right? Yes, um, yes. Uh, which, you know, got to say, I love a, <laughs> love a frustrating client. <laughs> so, so okay, uh, this main character, this woman. Anne-Louise Clement. Femininity, not feminism. Sorry. Yes. So uh, she's based on, um, loosely based on a real life person who was, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, who, you know, basically was saying the, the problem with the, feminism is wrong. We should be right. more feminine. Housewives could only find happiness through total submission to their husbands. Yes. Idea. Now, this is a Juanita Partlet episode. Yes. So we should know right off the bat that this character is not treated well like this is not mm-hmm. this is not the opinion of anybody who's doing the show right right she believes her life is being threatened well, she's set up 
attempts on her life as a publicity son. That's what it is, yes. But then her assistant is actually killed. Yes. And so she suddenly turns like, oh my God, someone's trying to kill me. And Jim's like, I thought someone was already trying to kill you. Yeah. And it turns out <laughs> that it's a separate, because um, it's it's the deal with her husband, mm-hmm. right? Because he's like, he's the material for chapter 17 and her new book. Yeah. And he's having an affair with his secretary and his secretary's brother takes it upon himself to try and try and kill yeah. Louise. I, I'm trying to remember like what his motivation is, but I think it's that he thinks that means more money. If the husband is free of Anne Louise, then he can marry his sister. Yeah. Right? His being the, the, the prospective murderer. Yeah. Marry his sister, and that sets her up for life, and then he, yeah. he's going to get a piece of it because they're so close. Yeah. He may even plot to kill the husband after that or something like that. I yeah, remember. I don't remember if it yeah. gets that deep, but uh, it has a good reveal where Jim coordinated with the husband ahead of time. Yes. To to take the bolts out of his gun or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good standoff at the end. This is the one, I remember this one in particular because it has one of the most 180 opinion changes that I've had of a character where like, I just hated yeah. this guy, the husband. And then at the end of it, I was kind of on his side. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a good one. It's a lot of fun. Um, the, uh, the mystery is really, I mean, like we've just described the mystery. So like, it's hard to say the mystery is worth it too, but the mystery is worth it. If, if we're recommending it to someone and they're not listening to this episode, uh-huh. I think this one might go in that column. Um, uh, but it, it might also be uh, the uh, what you call it recency bias. Yeah, yeah, it might be. It's one for some reason. I'm like I'm a hesitating a little bit to put it in a recommend. Maybe just because there's a lot of it's a little jam packed. Sure. Yeah. But again, that might be anti recency bias. Where I'm like, just because I read, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I think we're probably okay saying. It's good. I don't know if it goes on the list. Sure, sure. Because now we're getting into, like, there are qualities about any episode that would put it on a, on a yeah, recommend exactly. list. <laughs> Nathan, would you recommend the Rockford Files? To- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gotta say that's a yes. That's, yeah. that's a yes from me, dog. <laughs> so. Okay. We're going back to season now. Time to go back to season three. Well, speaking of ones that stand out in our minds, uh, we are going back to Season 3, Episodes 19 and 20, To Protect and Serve. So these are the first Anthony Boy episodes. Yes. All right, so these... Okay, the comedic stylings of Joyce Van Gaten. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. She's a, she's a fine comedic actress, but that she's not doing anything comedic in this. This is uh In fact, I would say anti-comedic. Yeah. So this is our episode 63 from January 2020. Okay, yeah. So she's a she's a uh super fan of the police and in particular of Dennis Becker. And who mm-hmm. is right? Yes. Um what is the deal going on? Like why is there So there's there's two two threads that come together. Ah. One is that Jim is hired to find a lawyer's fiance who abruptly broke off the like ditched their wedding basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he gets into it, it turns out that he's a, a mob lawyer and someone's put a hit out on his on on his fiance because she might know something about a case or something. Yeah. Independent of that, Joyce Van Patten's character, uh, Leanne, I think is a police buff who's obsessed with Dennis Becker in particular and Mm -hmm. keeps just like 
showing up. Mm -hmm. She keeps inserting herself in Becker's cases. And because Jim is getting into some stuff, he brings Becker in. And so Mm -hmm. that brings Leanne into Jim's orbit. And then uh, Anthony Boy and uh, another... It's a it's a duo. Uh, hit, uh, this is kind of the 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 point man on this two man mob hit yes. crew, uh, and they're dispatched to, to deal with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Leanne basically gets things tangled up by by interfering, trying to do police work because she's yeah. obsessed with 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 the cops, something like that. Yeah, she can cite the uh, the rule book and you mm-hmm. know all that and. Um, I think the part of the problem for me was that her portion of the show is a really good character study of her character. Yes. And then I was like, right, but what was the mystery? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, what was the plot? And now that I I remember the plot, I'm like, yeah. I I just didn't connect those both in my head. My write-up for this one even says... Jim's job, what he's hired to do, quickly becomes the background to the drama stemming from the interference of the police buff who's fallen for Dennis. So yeah. ultimately, a character study of the, obsessi- of the obsessive Leanne. This David Chase-written story balances all of our familiar characters uh, <laughs> with her mer- narrative focus, as well as introducing a new foe for Jim in the character of Hitman, Anthony Boy Gaglio. So, yeah, Anthony Boy, as an introduction to Anthony Boy, it's great. Um, Anthony Boy... Stands out in this episode, but definitely. But then he gets his highlight episode in The Man Who Saw the Alligators. Yeah, which is another two-parter, I believe, right? Like, uh... Um, no, it's a single episode. Oh, no, it, it is a double, but it's a 90-minute. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So, to protect and serve as two a two-part episode, mm-hmm. Man Who Saw the Alligators is a 90-minute episode. Yes. Yes. But not a wired. But not a wired. Yeah. So, uh... We can uh, we we have to leave that off our list. So uh, while this is a great episode, uh, oh while it's great that Anthony Boy is in this episode, um, we have to consider it without the alligator shoes. <laughs> this one I almost almost feels most in conversation with lions, tigers, monkeys, and dogs to me, where it's mm-hmm. like there's that sense of like the psychology of this this person being delved into by the end of it is really what makes it compelling yeah i mean i think that that's fun there's a rock files thing where like part of what it is is the fact that rockford has to deal with people right (laughs) like uh (laughs) that is that is part of the problem yes (laughs) yeah like this one reminds me of quickie nirvana in 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 many ways because it's the same sort of thing right Mm -hmm. like and I mean, like we see this with Angel all the time too, and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, I think this is a good good one. Uh, do you think it of out of this list? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like I'm I'm putting the plus. I think it may be yeah. worth consideration once we look at the full recommend the full list because there's something about it where it's like I can't quite put my finger on it. I really like yeah. it. There's something about it where it's almost not that Rockfordy, even though it's very Rockfordy. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting. We'll think about it more. But one that I think is probably destined for the recommend list is is going back to season three, episode 17, our episode number six, Just Another Polish Wedding. I'm going to say it. There's there's a moment in this episode that it might be perfect (laughs) television. Mm -hmm. It's the one where the Nazis get punched, that one? Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, no spoilers no spoilers but uh so okay this is another this is a backdoor pilot uh it's a shame absolute shame that this didn't become a thing 
Uh, we've got the second return of Gandhi, right? Mm-hmm. His third uh, Rockford Files episode. Mm-hmm. So it's Isaac Hayes playing Gandalf Fitch. And then uh, Louis Gossett Jr. is playing... Uh, Marcus Hayes. Aurelius Hayes. Yeah. Gandhi and Gabby. Gabby and Gandhi. Yeah, uh, Marcus can't can't shut up. He's he's always running something. One of the modes of transportation in this episode is a limo. Hello, Marcus Aurelius Hayes. Mr. Hayes, this is Tom Flannery of Limousine World. How much longer are you going to need our car, sir, on a trial basis before you decide to buy it? Well, Mr. Flannery, I may need it a little longer. You see, I've been thinking of buying a fleet of five or six. Of course, Mr. Hayes. Take as long as you like. <laughs> Thanks, my good man. Goodbye, Mr. Hayes. Hayes, without your mouth, you'd be just like me. Literally no intention to do this. And um, so, okay, so some things about this. Ep- okay, the, the episode itself, uh, Gandhi wants work as a PI. Jim is uh, reluctant to take him on as a partner. Uh, puts I can't remember if he puts him in touch with Gabby. He kind of farms him out to Gabby. But Gandhi and Gabby know that Jim is on a skip trace, right? Like that, yeah. that, that Jim is looking for someone and they're going to try and beat him to it. Right. And so we have a little bit of a race going. Most of this episode is Gabby and Gandy. Yes. But the, the, the Rockford parts of these episodes where you see Jim, it is shoe leather, right? Like, yeah, we get to see him doing like trade craft. Like we get to see yeah. some of his, how he actually like gets information from people, uh, which is really good. You kind of get the idea that Jim's just doing a, his normal workaday job throughout yes. this entire episode. Uh, while Gabby and Gandy are on a, a little bit more of a wilder adventure. Mm-hmm. They're great together. It's great. It's a standout. We talk about it all the time. I already put a star on it. Like okay. it's, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go any further. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is, would, might be a fun one to revisit someday uh, yeah. because we did it so early that, you know, we were talking about like, you know, lessons for our games and stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so it might be worth going back to with the additional perspective that we have now, but um, it's, it's just a romp. It's, yeah, just it might the, be the Ur romp. Like it's just yeah, so fun just to watch. So the star is on it. So we're now scoping down to the beginning of season three mm-hmm. with one we have again done relatively recently. Season three, episode three, the family hour. Yes, our episode one eleven, which is another kind of unusual one in that it's the one where Jim kind of oh, takes yeah. the kind of tween age child that shows up on his doorstep and tries to figure out what is going on and why she is in danger. Yes. Uh, this is a good one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say straight out. Uh, we got a good cast. The young girl is um, played by, I think, Escape from Witch Mountain. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, her dad is played by, I'm going to look up his name here, uh, Burt Young, who's Polly mm-hmm. from the Rocky series of movies, not television shows. I remember there being like this, this great plot to unfold the trouble that the father's in, in, in the middle of it that involves angel, right? Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm trying to remember what role angel plays. It doesn't really matter. The, so uh, my write up here is, um, it's not really a mystery, not really a whodunit, uh, but the mm-hmm. episode ramps up the tension while keeping a solid emotional backbeat. <laughs> Jim goes 
goes and finds out a thing and that reveals more of the story. Then he goes and finds out another thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the one where Ken Swafford is like the crooked DEA agent. Yes. It's his scheme that's putting the girls, uh, Marin, uh, Marin's father in danger. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, It's uh, again, it kind of stands out because of the focus on a, you know, younger person as kind of the locus of the episode. Yeah. The fact that she just turned up on his doorstep. Yeah. She wasn't looking for him. She was just kind of abandoned at the beach. Right, right. Know? Well, because like her aunt was supposed to pick her up, but then she doesn't because yeah. there are these... Because there's is the two goons in the car in, in that really... Yeah. In like the cool car, and one has no sleeves, and the other one has his like shirt unbuttoned. <laughs> I'm remembering now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it has like this... The end of it is the standoff in the... where they Because Angel helps Jim rig it's the room. It's in Angel's apartment. And yes. then Angel steals her purse that has the key in it to the... Yes. Book. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. It's good. It's good. It's a rock. This one feels like it was a two-parter because there's like a lot of stuff, (laughs) but it's just the one episode. Yeah. We get to see, or we get to see Rocky being real dad, like have real dad vibes. Yes. Because he gets to be all, all fatherly with this kid. And there is like a, like a big philosophical thing going on with what. Yeah. Yeah. Father, fatherhood and whatnot that, uh, I think they handle quite well. Um, yeah. I, I would recommend this one. I think yeah, this I think we're ta- again. This is one we're on the list. I'm like, oh yeah, that one. But I'm talking now that we're talking about it, and we have that great like her dad needs to pretend like he's willing to oh to turn her over to turn her or he's willing to let them kill him because yes. they're going to kill him anyway. Yes, and and she has to witness that. And right. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's kind of a bluff, but it's also kind of not a bluff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. I'm all right. I'm I'm putting the star on it. I'm now that we're going through all the stuff that's in it. I'm like, oh yeah. The the title itself d- n- never stood out to me. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Family Hour. I mean, it's kind of a joke because she loves TV. She loves game shows. That's right. Yes. So like the Family Hour, like is mm. a game show. I, I think is the the gag. Um. Yeah. If this one was like sad sack dad willing to take bullet for a child, the Rockford files experience. I think mm-hmm. that might stand out a little more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's uh okay. Yep. I've, I've reminded myself into saying it's, it's a uh, recommend. And we watched this one because a patron was like, Hey, you guys should watch this one. Yeah. So good recommend. All right. We're getting to, we're getting to our end here. We should probably get through the rest of these. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the next one in our order here is the fourth man. Our episode 118, season three, episode one. This is with the hitman, right? With the hitman. Yes. Um, with the airline, uh, with, with like the travel agent mm-hmm. who's Jim's friend, Lori. Yeah. Uh, she's the, uh, what's, what's her name? The third, uh, Cagney. From Cagney, the third <laughs> woman to play Cagney and Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> yes, I was trying to w- look up whether she was Cagney or Lacey. I could never remember which is which, but Sharon Glass. So yeah, we so again we did this one fairly recently. Um, I think there was some good stuff about like how it kind of escalates because it's the first episode in the season, so it has that big yeah. shootout at the end in the in the airplane hangar. Yeah, which is fun. Um, the coin collector as a cover for the hitman is fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, lots lots of good fun stuff. Lots of good fun stuff. Uh, I don't love Sharon Glass in the role. Mm-hmm. I found 
Laurie to be kind of bland as a character personally. So I think that might give it a little bit of a, mm, there's other episodes that I yeah. don't recommend. It's, it's, it's solid, but I don't know if it's standing out over some of these other ones. Yeah. Even though it does have that nice shootout at the end, which is, which yeah. is fun. There's, there's a, a conversation between the hitmen at yes. the zoo. That was really a standout thing, but yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, we're, we've got four, or five, depending on how you count two-parters. Oh, we should probably count that as two. Anyways, episodes <laughs> left, and they're all great. So, like, yeah, it's, uh... yeah. All right, let's see. So now we're getting to season two. Uh, we're going down to the. Th- there's only a couple left here. This is kind of some of William Wired's first efforts for us. Mm-hmm. Season two, episode five, "The Deep Blue Sleep," which we did as our episode eighty-two back in April of twenty twenty-one. <laughs> I don't remember this one as much as the others, actually. This one, I'm looking back at our summary. (laughs) This is one where Beth has a friend who's a model and she disappears. Yes. And so there's a a shady business deal with a fashion designer and the mob. Robert Hayes is in it. Yes. Yeah. Which we like because he's a real great sleazy character. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, it's a good bet. It's one of the few Beth episodes on our list mm-hmm. here. That's true. Yeah. Oh, uh, there is a highlight of the show that we probably we may or may not have talked about in the episode here. But the the tape recording that the, the oh, voicemail yes. uh, has the caller saying, hi, Jim, thanks for the dinner invitation. I love you. But does it have to be the taco stand? Yes. Just great. That's perfect. I mean, I'm, I don't think of this as a bad episode. Mm-hmm. I can't recall a whole lot about the episode, so I'm assuming it's just a just a nice Rockford Files That's episode. Probably, yeah, it's a good Rockford Files. It's uh, yeah, I think it's it might be a meaty middle episode. We yeah, we enjoyed the twists and character business in this one, is what I said at the time. <laughs> yes. All right. And now. then immediately before this, <laughs> we get season two, episodes three and four, our episodes eight and nine. Yeah. Gear Jammers parts one and two. All right, so this is going on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Epi will fight anyone who says Gear Jammers shouldn't be on the list. So this is an interesting one in which uh, I think it's great that it's a two-episode. Like, it's one of the few where I'm like, yes, this is episode one of of a two-parter, and this is episode two of a two-parter. The first episode, we get Rocky going through his day without Jim. Uh, I mean, like, we do have Jim, but, like, mainly we get to see Jim's trying to find Rocky, and he's following, you know, retracing Rocky's whole day. Right. And you just find out that Rocky has a very rich life without Jim. He has, like, a girlfriend that Jim didn't know about. He's going to a wine store to, like, get (laughs) presents for her. Because Rocky has overheard a mob-slash-union Yeah. Thing I don't remember what it is. This was episode eight uh, of ours, so it was a while back. It's because there's stuff, stuff about the trucker strike. Yeah, um, is involved because we talked about that. There's a corrupt. There's like a deal between like corrupt union and the mob to do yeah. like to move. Like I think they're like Russian furs or something. Yeah, like in and out of a port, but like someone gets killed and left in a crate and. Rocky is uh, in danger and probably doesn't know it. Uh, right. Because he just is too, a little too innocent. To, uh, uh, a little right, because like, trucks were getting hijacked. And it was like, why are yeah. these trucks getting hijacked? Um, 
Yes, it also features some great chases. There's a great chase at the end of the first oh, yeah. episode where the Firebird ends up getting destroyed, I think. And then there's yeah. a great truck chase that's yes. like the, the the climax of the second episode where yeah. we get to see like Rocky driving a truck. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. So uh, if you're a Rockford Files fan and for some reason you haven't watched Gear Jammers yet, do it. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, if you're not a Rockford Files fan still fun thanks thanks for listening i guess yeah 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 <laughs> thanks for joining us to this log yeah star star on that one classics uh, uh uh bedrock to our show yeah exactly we return to it many times all right well we are now getting back to season one with our one of our more recent episodes season one episode 17 claire mm-hmm. another um Jim's old flame reappears mm-hmm. episode, I think kind of similar to guilt. We, again, we did talk about this one recently, so I feel like I'm just retreading what we've already said, but, yeah. uh, Rocky's not happy. Rocky, Rocky's <laughs> not happy. Uh, mm-hmm. Rocky's not happy. This one ends on, it, this one has a quality where nothing actually gets solved. Really? Like Claire's just in a bad jam and Jim helps her get out of it. But getting out of it is taking a bus to Mexico. Right, yeah. He does, they they do turn the... They turn the tables on the, the goons. Yeah. But, like, her problem is not yeah. that. Like, that doesn't solve her problem. Because she basically would still be a target for the mob because she was an informant under duress to the cop who ended right. up getting killed. Like, it's just a big tangled mess. Yeah. And and nobody nobody's in a good position to help, help her out. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so good. It had a, a great climax, I think. We talked about how it was unexpected that the cops didn't show up, that it was just yeah. like Jim dealing with it. <laughs> uh, and we have Jackie Cooper as his, the kind of overbearing police captain, which is a fun character. But um, yeah, uh, I think I said at the time, it's a good meaty middle episode. It's uh, I'm not sure if it sticks with me. Um, yeah, this episode hits a lot of our classic themes, though maybe lacking a little something to make it stand out from similar plots. Yeah, it's early though. Like, like that's the other thing. It's um, yeah. episode. It's season one. So, mm-hmm. are they classic themes at this right. point, or is this uh, like one? It's that, establishing. Uh, it is establishing themes that we call classic because exactly, we yeah. have done 120 episodes before we did this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, this one only had 16 episodes to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But one of those 16 indeed is the one just a couple episodes <laughs> prior season one, episode 15, our episode number three from December of 2016. And Wired's episode number one with a bullet sleight of hand. Yes. So not only is this, so this is our episode three, but we recorded three episodes and then release and then like release them all not yeah i think either all at the same time or kind of yeah like we recorded a couple and released them as a batch just to get started so you know we recorded this as our third episode we had not yet put the podcast out into the world (laughs) when we recorded this episode yeah so this one is based on a novel right yes it's called uh thin air thin air yeah yeah so uh based on a novel 
obviously not based on the Rockford Files novel, uh, <laughs> because I don't know if those actually exist. There's a couple, and I only know that because uh, Jordan Bockelman has posted a couple. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, he has a co- I think he has like, some of the novelizations in rotation. So I've seen him post some of the pictures on the covers, I think. So it was adapted to the Rockford Files. Yes. Rockford Files uh, being only 15 episodes long when this aired. <laughs> right. Uh, so this is the one where um, it's got, it's a really eerie mystery, right? Like, yes. So she goes to her, into her house while Jim stays in the car mm-hmm. and she's never heard from again. And Jim's in the frame. If I remember, man, it's been a long time. Yeah. He has to solve this. Uh, otherwise, uh, deal is going to, to mm-hmm. put him away. Ah, deal. Good old Tom Akins. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's a standout early episode. I think a lot of, yeah. like, it's it's known to be a standout good episode. But it's not incredibly full of Rockfordishness. Uh, a lot of these episodes we've been praising for how mm-hmm. they just feel like very Rockfordy, yeah. and this one does not. But it, uh, like, I think it's very well done. This, yeah. this one kind of like gives a little bit of the counterpoint because this one is more noiry. So yeah. it's, it's almost like here's the far noir edge of this kind of story that we're going to do with this show. Yeah, we're not going to get over all the way over here again very often, if at all. <laughs> yeah, but here's like the boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a good right. I think at the time we didn't have. I'm like at the time I don't think I had a copy of the Ed Robertson book. I don't, you know, like oh yeah, yeah all this yeah. stuff that I'm looking back early at. Early days, like, mm-hmm, early days. So the first season is also when we have the most Roy Huggins influence, right? Um, mm-hmm. Before he kind of departs as right. a, as a writer. Um, so Roy Huggins apparently had done. He had a show called Jigsaw earlier in the 70s that apparently was fairly low ratings but his first episode that he did for that show was an adaptation of thin air Uh, Um, and while critically acclaimed did not improve ratings and the show was canceled in 73 so he decided to adapt it again for the rockford files he kind of recycled the idea of adapting thin air because he liked the story so much i remember that jigsaw this is um a quote from huggins but I also remembered that Jigsaw never had high audience numbers. And so I figured, here's a story that was on a show that nobody watched. So I'm going to adapt <laughs> it again. I'll make changes in it. With Jim Garner, it will look completely different. That was pretty much what was going on in my mind at the time. Yeah. There was a reviewer in Variety who caught that and gave him some flack for recycling his own material. <laughs> Ed Robertson continues, Ironically, while Variety may have been astute in recognizing the recycled plotline of Sleight of Hand, the Trade Journal neglected to mention that the episode itself is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hour is also unusual in that it presents Rockford as more hard-boiled and less tongue-in-cheek than we're ordinarily accustomed to seeing. And there's, you know, there's an intensity to the character uh, that, while jolting, is very effective. All told, Joe Swirling and Stephen Cannell, who did the teleplay, uh, the two of them, create a faithful adaptation of Brown's classic whodunit, while James Garner delivers one of his finest performances in the entire series. Well, there you go. Per uh, Robertson. We probably should revisit this one because it does stand out to us so much. Um, yeah. We reference it fairly often, uh, but I'm happy to put it on a recommend list. It's good TV. Good TV. It's uh, early days. Wired's first episode with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, kind of a neat thing to see a book adaptation into the Rockford Files mm-hmm. is that doesn't I don't even know if that happens again. Uh, I, I assume it had a few times in the first season, but um, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I remember it being a good one. I'm I'm willing to to look at it again and give it some more you know detailed analysis at some point. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we are going to end on a strong note with that one. So yeah, let's let's look at this list and whittle it down. So this list uh, now in ascending order. So these are the ones that that have a star. Mm-hmm. We should recommend these. So sleight of hand, mm-hmm. gear jammers, one and mm-hmm. two, the family hour, mm-hmm. just another Polish wedding. Requiem for a Funny Box, Heartaches of a Fool, Rosendahl and Gilda Stern are Dead, Never Send a Boy King to Do a Man's Job, and Lions, Tigers, Monkeys, and Dogs. Okay, so this is a great list. So that's a nine, so that's nine episodes counting doubles as one, one yeah. entry. It, let's, let's whittle it down quickly, because we're reaching the end of our episode. <laughs> uh, one per season? One per season? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so season one is Sleight of Hand. Yeah. Season two? Gear Jammers. Mm-hmm. Season three, The Family Hour or Just Another Polish Wedding. Yeah, that's tough. With a optional uh, uh, optional um, honorable mention to Protect and Serve. Yeah. Um, man, it's weird, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side a little bit on The Family Hour uh, with my, my little assumption that we're just saying, hey, you want an intro to the Rockford Files, right? Yeah, our audience here is... You know you like the show. You may not have watched all of it. Mm-hmm. Here are episodes you should watch. Yeah, from from Wired's from uh, Wired's front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're going with the Family Hour. I wouldn't have expected that going into this. That's hey, why. This that's why fun. we do it. Yeah. All right. Season four, Requiem for a Funny Box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Season five. So we have two honorable mention, or we have one honorable mention, which is the Jersey Bounce. Yeah. And then the other three, this is going to be our hard, our hard choice. Heartaches of a Fool, Rosendahl and Gilda Stern are dead. Never send a boy king to do a man's job. Uh, I am tempted by Rosendahl and Gilda Stern are dead mm-hmm. uh, because of our discussion today. I don't know if I, God, it's hard because I never send a boy king to do a man's job is also it's a great one. <sighs> so here's the thing. Right. If we're talking about my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. never send a boy king to do a man's job. Yeah. But if we're talking about, hey. You want to see some really good Rockford Files episodes? Mm-hmm. Heartaches of a Fool yeah. kind of takes, like, it just has more of the full package. Yeah. No sausage pun intended. Tell you what, if you're going through this list, you're getting some good Rocky at Gear Jammers, and then this is another follow-up to the Rocky and his, his trucking days. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll go with Heartaches of a Fool. Why not? Again, I agree. Rosendahl and Gildasern has has reemerged as a contender from talking yeah, yeah. about it. And like, if I'm talking about maybe most like ones ones with more like complicated writing, more subtle characterization. Not that it's subtle, but there's something about my memory of the dynamics in that one where it's like pretty layered. Like, there's a lot of complex yeah. stuff going on, which makes it really satisfying to watch. But I mean, if you're just turning on the TV and Hardix and then Willie Nelson's playing, and yeah. then there's sausage smuggling. Like yeah. <laughs> you're watching the Rockford Files. Yeah, you are. You are. That's what you're doing. I will. I will say this: if you got a, a one dollar in your pocket and you are at a, a used DVD store <laughs> and they, they they're selling each uh, season disc as an individual one dollar purchase. Yeah, yeah. Like the first disc of season five is <laughs> oh for the best bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah, best bang for your buck as far as the Wired verse is concerned. Go yes. for it. Yeah, absolutely oh yeah. go for it. Um, which means that season six is another easy one. Lions, Lions tigers, tigers, monkeys, and dogs. and dogs. Yeah, that's great. All right, so here's our best of the Wired verse from our rewired retrospective rewinding through <laughs> the Wired verse in 
reverse order. <laughs> our top recommends Lions, mm-hmm. Tigers, Monkeys, and Dogs, our episode 103. Heartaches of a Fool, our episode 121. Requiem for a Funny Box, our episode 88. The Family Hour, our episode 111. Gear Jammers, our episodes 8 and 9. And Sleight of Hand, our episode 3. Did it. And we will see you next time <laughs> to talk about another episode of The Rockford Files. <laughs>